This is A Woman Being, and I'm here with Emma and Kellyanne, and I'm Kelly. And today we are set out to answer the question, why are women afraid? And before we get started, I just want to put out a brief trigger warning. We are going to be discussing things such as assault and rape and um, sexual misconduct and all sorts of things like that. So um, just be aware, and we'll talk to you soon. This is Woman Being, where we explore thoughts and opinions and have the freedom to change our minds. Without expectation or judgment, we will hold a safe space and support each other as we navigate together in the form of feminine. As we get started, I just want to remind the woman beings listening today that you can follow us on social media. We are on Instagram at Woman Being Podcast. And if you want to engage more with the conversations that we're having, we post sound bites and quotes and we ask questions on our Instagram story. And we have all sorts of um, ways for you to engage with us. So follow us on Instagram. You can also find us on our website at womanbeingcommunity.com. And lastly, just a quick plug for the review section of apple podcasts if you could take the time (laughs) leave us a review that would be amazingly helpful so anyways let's dive into this conversation today um this is kind of brought on by a lot of different things happening in the world and in our own lives that we decided to have this discussion Mm -hmm. um which is why are women afraid and i think that there's a lot of conversation happening in this world about um sexual assaults and um, mugging and kidnappings. And it feels like women's women are often victims of very serious crimes. And, and so there's conversations around women hold keys between their fingers as they walk to their car at night. And we take precautions that um, most people or men, I should say, don't usually have to take mm-hmm. when they're walking at the, in the street at night downtown or heading to their car or walking down a back alley. So, I guess I wanted to kick this off just by asking you ladies, have you experienced fear because you are a woman? And if so, like, what are your earliest memories or what are some of the the strongest memories um, in your mind of that kind of starting? Yeah. I mean, I would definitely say I experienced fear as a woman. Um, I grew up in a very... um, poor area of Oklahoma City. Um, We were, it was a very diverse area and um, there definitely was this like, you're a a young girl. I'm the oldest of four girls and all of us like being very, from a very young age are just like, hey, you don't play outside by yourself. You don't, um, you don't walk around the block um, because, you know, we have drug houses and we have, you know, there were shootings pretty frequently in our neighborhood. And so that's not something particularly because we were young girls that we wouldn't um, do that are normal childhood things. Um, I would say I've always kind of been aware, but I th- like that I was treated differently because I was a girl. But I think one memory that sticks out in particular was when I was actually a little older, I think it was around 18, and I was working at a firework stand over the summer, and there was this boy whom I've known from a very, very young age. Like, we've, our families were basically raised together, and he's kind of like, he had a crush on me, and he decided it was appropriate to follow me around and take pictures of me without my consent. Mm. Um, 
as we were working at a fireworks stand together. Um, and I asked him repeatedly. I was actually dating my husband at this point. He was my boyfriend. And I asked him repeatedly, yeah, please stop. You're making me very uncomfortable. And he seemed to not care. And that was the first moment I felt true powerlessness because of being a woman. Um, there are some other instances, but that one in particular, because it's someone I've known for a very long time and didn't seem to care that I had the request to say, you don't have my consent for this. Um, so that that's, that's something that really sticks out to me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I, I mean, I grew up in like a very suburban, like Southern culture. And so uh, there wasn't a ton of like fear around like where I lived or things like that. But um, I definitely like my mom like instilled like fears into me uh, just because of being a woman and also because my mom is overprotective. Sorry, mom, if you're listening, but you are. <laughs> um, but I, I, one thing that I remember, which like I look back on this and think about it, and I'm like, this is so silly. But I felt fear around this because of being a, a young girl, um, which was when I was working on getting my driver's license. I had to do, you have to do like, you know, hours of driving with the driving right. instructor. I think it's 40 and, hours. Yeah. Something. Uh, and so I was driving with my driving instructor and he was like a middle-aged man. He was perfectly nice. And he uh, said, oh, do you want to stop over at this uh, like ice cream place and we can grab ice cream like while we're like and I'll, I'll count it as part of your hours basically and I was like no no I'm fine because <laughs> my first thought and like my first instinct was this man's gonna try to like do something to me uh, because mm. I'm gonna be alone and like before that I didn't have tons of opportunities to like be alone because I was not an independent person I couldn't drive myself places you know mm. like it was I was 15 and so I remember instantly saying no, like that was my gut reaction. It was purely because I was a young girl and this was a man uh, that I was with. If the driving instructor was a woman, I probably would have said yes. Mm. And I remember I had a friend who had the same exact driving instructor and she told me at school like that next week, like, oh yeah, like I went to my driving instruction and like we went and got French fries and it was so fun and da da da. And I was like, dang it, I could have gotten free ice cream Aww. and I didn't because I was afraid. And, um, like that's, it feels like so harmless and like you look back at it and I feel like almost kick yourself for it because you're like, oh, that was irrational. But like, but what if was it wasn't? It? But yeah. was it, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's like one of the earlier things that I remember, but I feel like I started becoming more and more aware of like needing to take certain precautions because of being a woman as I gained more independence, mm -hmm. like as you're away from your family, um, and especially once I went to college, I moved to Philadelphia, like I was all of a sudden in a big city and was navigating like, okay, how do I like walk down the street and feel safe? Mm. Like, how do I walk around at night and feel safe? Like, what do you, either you, you make sure you're friends with you or you um, call someone on the phone so that you are showing people like, hey, someone will know if I get attacked. Yeah. Um, or you walk around honing in your resting bitch face so that then people don't mess with you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so there's definitely like that became more and more cognizant as I got older, for sure. 
Yeah, no, those are good, you guys. Thanks for sharing. I mean, I think um, I think like you both and like many women, we've all kind of been instilled with this awareness that like, well, first of all, just stranger danger. Yeah. But then like on top of that sort of the added threat of like someone having ill intentions who in theory could be a trusted person, like a, a driving instructor or a teacher or something and suddenly being in a position where you feel like you're alone with them or something like that is happening and you don't know how to like respond. Yeah. I think um, I kind of grew up with that awareness. I think the first time that it really happened, like something happened where I felt like super afraid was in youth group actually. Um, There was an 18 year old young man who kept hitting on all the girls and he mm-hmm. particularly would hit on my friend um, who's a couple years younger than him several years older than me and then she she would just like she'd be like nope don't want to talk to you and she'd like walk away and I was like trying to be the nice good Christian girl and ended up talking to him for a while and then suddenly he was like I think I have a crush on you. And I was like, okay, I have to go. (laughs) And I went to the other side of the church. Like I like left the sanctuary and went to the other side and he came over. Mm. And I'm like 13, 12. Yeah, you're literally a child. Yeah, I was literally a child. And he And he's 18. Yes. Wow. He sat next to me and he had some developmental delay and mental disabilities. So um um developmentally he was younger but um he came over and sat he's very big he sat next to me and like put his hand on my leg and was like asking me if I would be his girlfriend and um I was like I went to my I was sitting next to a friend and just like hiding and not saying anything and I was scared Mm. and there's other like friends of mine around him that were telling him to leave me alone and he like wasn't leaving me alone and I don't remember what happened but eventually he like left or something someone Mm -hmm. removed him from the situation yeah and I remember just sobbing Mm. for the rest of the night like I think my mom happened to be there or maybe someone called her I don't remember exactly what happened but I just like sat in the back of the sanctuary like and just sobbed in her arms because Mm. like I don't know it's like I definitely froze Mm -hmm. didn't know what was going on and he was so big and so like, I didn't know how to say no, mm-hmm. but I also didn't want the attention. Yeah. And he was very much, like, bigger than me and not necessarily aware of what he was doing. Mm-hmm. And so um, that was, like, one of the first experiences I've had where I realized, like, oh, this could – this is legit. Like, yeah. Yeah. this could happen. Um, and then beyond that, I would totally agree, like – Becoming an adult and being more independent and getting out of my parents' home, leaving my small town. Like, I used to, like, park and not lock my car. Like, we lived in such a small, like, trusted community. Country things. Yeah, like, you wow. just didn't – you didn't lock your house at night. You didn't lock your car. Like, it was just sort of, like, there's no one around and everyone's, mm-hmm. like, a good mis- Midwestern trusted person, which mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't live like that now, but that's what I grew up in. And, yeah, moving to, like – what was a city for me at the time, <laughs> Ames, Iowa in college. And like, yeah, like you you get training on like what to do, like making sure that you have friends with you, making sure, yeah. you know, you have a phone on you and you can call like campus security or campus police if you need a ride, that sort of thing. And mm-hmm. sort of realizing like, oh, this happens like on a regular basis to a lot of women and it's very serious. So, yeah. um, and then on top of that, there's all sorts of like, additional things like that the church puts on 
regarding like what clothes you wear and like mm-hmm. what you may or may not be asking for and mm-hmm. that sort of stuff that instilled a lot of fear in me um, moving into adulthood. Yeah. Um, I mean, and there's so much that I'm, I'm remembering right now. Like um, when I went to Girl Scout camp, we learned self-defense at Girl Scout camp. Yes. And <laughs> um, like the Boy Scouts were not learning that. And if they learned how to fight, it was, like, to fight. It wasn't, like, to defend yourself if someone attacks you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was not the frame that boys would learn those types of things. Interesting. And there's so much of the, like, double standard, which you see in the church all the time, the double standard of how a woman needs to prevent men, essentially, from assaulting them. Like, that's even in, like, non-religious mm-hmm. uh, groups as well, where it was, like, in my mind, I didn't register, like, oh, I'm being treated differently at Girl Scout camp because I'm a girl, and so we have to learn self-defense. Um, it was like, oh, this is fun. We're, like, learning self-defense. This yeah. is cool. But um, looking back, it's like, oh, this is because they're aware that, like, that women either need to or are told that they need to, like, be prepared yeah. and be fearful. Totally. And, I mean, I feel like so many guys have no frame of reference for this at all or like don't realize that women think about this so much yeah um like even thinking about your story with that guy putting his hand on your leg he may have thought of that as so harmless but that's something that made you sob for like hours yeah Yeah. (laughs) um or I think about uh one of my close friends in college he like found out from just like a couple of us girls talking that like we got catcalled all the time and he was like what Mm -hmm. (laughs) like totally thought that was not a thing like totally thought that seeing a woman get catcalled was something that just happened like in a movie or Mm -hmm. that just happened maybe like if a girl was out and she was very scantily dressed but Mm -hmm. we were like a group of modest christian girls and we're like we get catcalled every day when we're walking to class when we're just going about our business and he, he he was like rocked by that and so i feel like so much uh Guys are, like, totally oblivious to this. Yeah. Um, but also perpetuate it in being oblivious. No, totally. I think there's, like, a lack of awareness of the, um, I don't know, like, when people don't recognize their power, mm-hmm. I guess. Like, they kind of bulldoze over people without even realizing that they're, like, a, considered a threat. Yeah. yeah. And um, catcalling can seem like an innocent it's thing. It's like, oh, I'm just, just complimenting you. Yeah, and it can be an innocent thing, mm-hmm. but when it's done out of ignorance for what it could mean and, yeah. like, the implications of what that could mean, it's, like, it's very heady and very serious. Yeah. yeah. Or heavy, I should say, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even saw a TikTok the other day. Um, this girl was walking through New York City, and she, like, started recording on TikTok because this guy was following her in his car, and he kept yelling out the window, like, catcalling her and complimenting her. And she, she like, yells back at him in the tech talk. She goes, I appreciate the compliment, but stop following me. She's like, I don't want to interact with you. Please yeah. leave. And he kept being like, oh, but what's the harm, and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, get out. Like, she's, like, yelling and probably partially chose to pull up TikTok and record as a way of, like, trying to be safe Uh trying to Mm -hmm. be like look i'm recording you right now doing this and it was like a funny tiktok because she's like a comedian but it was also like this is very real and this is like 
so many, yeah, like guys will think, oh, this is so harmless. But mm-hmm. women are like, no, this is like, this could be life or death for me, mm-hmm. which sounds extreme, but mm-hmm. like. That's the reality. And it does feel that way. It feels like, okay, if I look at you the wrong way, mm-hmm. if I'm polite to you, you might think of that as leading you on. If I'm rude to you, you might take that as a trigger and become aggressive. Mm-hmm. If I don't acknowledge you, you could like amp up your um, attempt to get my attention and mm-hmm. make it wor- make the situation worse. It feels mm-hmm. like it's a total trap. Yeah, you yeah. can't win. It's it's gonna happen like no matter what. And and that's. Um, It's interesting that you had that self-defense experience because I actually did a few years of self-defense and we actually had Mr. Jack. I loved Mr. Jack. Um, He was an ex-cop and he, he, we had co-ed classes um, and he would like brush on things, but make it general and be like, hey, if you get bad vibes from someone, trust that and look at them in the eye and smile and say hi. Like, he taught us, like, those things, but he made it for both boys and girls, which I appreciated. But there definitely was a level of, like, I'm putting this in here because I have a lot of very young, beautiful girls in my class. Mm -hmm. And he knew after years in law enforcement the psychology of that, Mm -hmm. of, like, hey, when someone feels seen, they don't feel like they can actually pull something off. And that's something that has stuck with me. Um, So now when I get catcalled, like, I will look at them, be like, Hey, like, I see you. Like, don't, like, don't try to pull something. Like, I'm the also the person that um, I won't hesitate to call the cops. I've called the cops on many people um, just because there is that level of, I mean, the way I grew up was, like, it blows my mind that some people don't lock their cars or it blows my mind that some people don't lock their doors. Like, our door was always locked, whether we were right by it or not. Um and that's just how we lived life. Um, so, yeah, I don't really, like, mess around. <laughs> no, that's good. And I think, like, piggybacking off of um, self-defense classes mm-hmm. and, like, kind of your strategies, what are some of the everyday precautions that you guys take in your life? I mean, I feel like – so I touched on this a little bit already, but it's, like, it is the, like, calling somebody so that you know that, like, someone is on the phone with me – um, and can know if I die basically, or know if I get kidnapped, um, or staying in well-lit areas at night or, um, having your keys between your fingers. I've done that. Uh, but also like just not looking vulnerable, essentially, Mm -hmm. like figuring out how to walk with purpose and walk like you know where you're going and, have a, a facial expression that tells people not to mess with you mm-hmm. <laughs> and those sorts of things. But also just not going places alone sometimes is, is like, the best option um, or the easiest option in terms of, like, uh, feeling safe. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many times, especially when I was living in Philadelphia, where I would be, like, I, I like would beg my roommates to like walk with me somewhere because I needed mm. to go somewhere, but I, I didn't feel comfortable going alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like very real. And like, I feel like there's um, tropes that people like sort of tease women for like always like being together and then like a group, like, and that kind of thing, or even like going to the, bathroom, going to the bathroom together mm-hmm. and that type of thing. And it's like, well, actually like 
some of that is just safety and it's kind of been ingrained in us and we don't even think about it that much. But think about going to the bathroom is a very vulnerable situation. Yep. It can be. And if a man followed you into the bathroom, what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to defend yourself you if you're like, God forbid, like crammed into a stall or something yeah. and that you you can't really do anything. Yeah. And no one's so, going to hear you like if you're alone. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And so I think that things like that are like rooted in trying to stay safe Mm -hmm. um and i feel like so much of it too is just we do it automatically Mm -hmm. like we don't even think about it Mm -hmm. it's truly like overwhelming like you said like so many things are rooted in safety that have become like tropes but Mm -hmm. like i actually when i'm on my way home from somewhere i will always call my husband and let him know like hey i'll be home in about 10 minutes um I keep a baseball bat in my car. I keep a baseball bat by my bed. I have a taser that I carry with me at all times. I have pepper spray on my keychain. I have looked into getting my CCW. I look people in the eye when I walk past them, especially people that make me uncomfortable. Um, Not only because, one, I want them to know I see them and I'm aware of them, but also I don't want to look away from people that make me uncomfortable, like from a humanity standpoint. Um, But those are all things I do. I'm very active about my safety, but I also think I have another layer most people don't have, which is I actually have a very mentally ill relative who has on many occasions vocalized wanting to cause me and my family harm. And so that is another layer of something that it's like I'm always aware of that Um, and something that, you know, like we were all kind of ingrained in. So it's like, oh, if this person were to show up and like no question, like I am instantly going to need to defend myself and, you know, call law enforcement. So it's just kind of like layer after layer after layer for me personally as a person. (laughs) For me personally, as a person, (laughs) Um, because for me, where I'm from and where I was raised, like threats are very real. And so now I am a very aware person, always aware of my surroundings. And I'm also an introvert, so I don't go out a lot. So that's not really something (laughs) I like worry about or do. But, you know, I I would bring friends if Mm -hmm. I'm out doing something like I don't just like wander around by myself. Yeah, Yeah. that's one thing, like, I just don't, like, to me, going outside alone at night is just a Mm non-option. Like, I mean, I can drive, like, somewhere public and go grocery shopping or whatever. I'm not, like, that extreme, but, like... Like, to park your car downtown. Yeah, if it came to, yeah, parking my car downtown or taking a walk or, like, Mm -hmm. even if I had a dog and walking down, like, to me, that's just not, it's not an option. I mean, even, I'll say, the other day... (laughs) we were leaving your house, Kelly, and you went to go check your mail and I felt worried about you. And it was nighttime. It was like, what, 9 or 10 p.m. You're literally like a few houses down from your house. (laughs) To go to like the group mailbox that your block shares. And I like, yeah, like one of my first thoughts was like, oh, I got to like make sure that Kelly's still there when I drive back (laughs) up the street, you know, which is like, it's a very safe neighborhood that you Mm -hmm. live in. And like, very quiet. I've walked in that neighborhood in the middle of the night by myself. It gets dark. It's scary. It is scary. Mm -hmm. And like, you think as you're walking around at night, it's like, you're constantly wondering if something's going to happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're constantly thinking, like, around that corner, behind that bush. Yeah. Like, there could be a man there waiting 
Yeah. And I, and I've never, I mean, thank goodness, never had an experience like that. Mm -hmm. Like I've been very like blessed or protected or whatever. Like I haven't been in a circumstance where I've had to defend myself, Mm -hmm. but like, that's still a constant thought. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I want to touch on though, something I feel like we're alluding to, and that is like the, the band of like sisterhood almost that is formed. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm going to walk you to your door or I'm going to watch you go to your mailbox or I'm going to go with you to the bathroom. And there is like this level of like we are kind of like all connected and constantly looking out for each other because we we know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I there was a few months ago. I thought I heard a scream outside like a woman scream. I don't know if it was a TV from next door. I don't know if it was a video game my husband was playing or what, but I instantly stopped what I was doing, grabbed a baseball bat and ran outside because it was like, if there's something happening to a woman and I can do something about it, I will. Mm. Um, Looked around, couldn't find a woman. Could have been a TV show. Have no idea, but I would rather like do something that could be perceived as like illogical than risk like something could be happening and I didn't do something. Mm. And I think there is that level, like we're all constantly kind of looking out for each other. Mm. Yeah. Another thought I just had too is like with international travel, Mm. there's like for sure a limitation in certain areas of where women can go and where they can't go. Yeah. And I definitely have felt that group covering is essential mm-hmm. in a lot of traveling places especially when you're traveling to more developing nations and things like that there, there's just like well first of all being white and american and then walking around like being alone is just not even mm-hmm. it's not an not, option not an option yeah i mean mm-hmm. i experienced that a lot while i was like doing mission work abroad like there were places where the locals would tell us, do not walk around by yourself mm-hmm. as a woman. Or sometimes it was even, do not walk around as a group of women. You must have a man with you mm-hmm. because this is not safe. I was in some of the highest crime rate areas of the countries I was in. And it was like that it you felt so trapped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I want to touch on too with um, the international point is that uh, there's so many women internationally that live with a lot more fear than we mm-hmm. have to experience Absolutely. as American women. I mean, the most recent example that I can think of, obviously, is the Taliban in Afghanistan. Like, women are hiding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> women are, n- like, not on the streets at all mm-hmm. because there's so much fear. And and they've been told, you should probably stay indoors for your own safety because the Taliban military doesn't know how to respect women. And it's like... well. How did they how did they get to that point where mm-hmm. they don't know? Like mm-hmm. it's they act like, oh, they just don't know. So and so you have to stay inside. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that on these women? And like these women are having to now cover themselves up more as a safety precaution, mm-hmm. which it is to caveat, totally fine if a woman wants to wear a hijab or a burqa or whatever for their own like religious practice. But to have to do that in order to protect themselves from men is yeah. is ridiculous and it's oppressive and they're implementing segregated schools where women are not gonna be able to get the same amount of education as men and segregated workplaces and i think they just recently banned secondary education for women in general Mm. oh really yeah i mean but i feel like we should fact check that even fact check that yes (laughs) but i think like even a step further like women that have been teaching girls like female teachers that have been giving girls educations are now like their lives are like being threatened mm-hmm. like they are also in hiding not just because yeah. they're women but because they dared to educate women 
mm-hmm. which is like mind blowing. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, all that to say, like, we do have fears, like as women in the United States that are very real and that I think are founded in many ways. But there's a lot more like extreme and mm-hmm. scary and life threatening situations that yeah. other women are in all over the world mm-hmm. um, where women don't have nearly as many rights as we do. And I just think it's important for us to note that. <laughs> yeah. No, that's super important. And just like the reminder as well that the discussion of women and why women are afraid for sure is way beyond these walls of our studio. Like yeah. mm-hmm. we have, you know, we live in a generally conservative town. I mean, that is generally sort of safe. I mean, it's California, so it's like, you know, as safe as it can get. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, there is like this is a global a global issue, not just a, a local yeah. concern. There are obviously kind of the extreme threats of, of things. I think of before I started traveling internationally, I was given like a high threat security training mm-hmm. and we like learned how to like get out of zip ties and like oh, yeah. what to do if someone points a gun at us. Like it was like mm-hmm. super intense. And there's sort of like that kind of perceived threat that's very, um, very real, but also especially in our like domestic situation, not exactly like normal. And then there's a second part layer of it where threats come, especially when it comes to sexual assault in our own homes with our own friend groups and among people that we know and trust. I think they there's like a high high percentage of sexual assault that is from someone you know. I think yeah, it might be most. I think, I think it's, it's around like 80%. 80 or 90%. It's like, like it's, staggeringly yeah. high. And I and I guess I'm curious like how how did how did or did your parents or um, authority figures in your life teach you to manage those threats or or did they at all you know mm-hmm. like cuz I think I grew up with a very keen understanding of like the the rarity mm-hmm. but like the more extreme type mm-hmm. of threat but ne- wasn't necessarily like um, equipped to handle the near and dear close to me threat. Like mm-hmm. your self-defense class, for example, isn't going to serve you when your uncle mm-hmm. is, you know, making advances on you. No. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was not taught at all. It was – there was one individual that is family who I noted earlier who is very unsafe Um And we were taught that at a very young age, but it was because this person is unstable and like literally crazy. Um, But it was like, your friends are safe. The people around you are safe. It's everyone else that you need to worry about. But I mean, truth be told, the most uncomfortable situations I've ever been in um, have been with either relatives or close friends, people I was raised with. And I mean, somewhat, I got permission to share this story, P.S., but um, someone very close to me that I love very dearly recently was sexually assaulted a few, like just now, I think four or five weeks ago. And it's from someone she knew. And that is, that's a reality that um, I don't think is touched on enough. There's like 
yeah, I don't even know what to say after that. It's, it's just, um, you need to be aware of the dynamics in your relationships and we need to be teaching that that needs to be something at the forefront of how do you, how do you address something when like this person I know who is close to me treats me in a way that makes me very uncomfortable and they don't respond well, potentially when I say, Hey, this is uncomfortable. It's like, well, you trust me, don't you? It's like, it's not about trust. It's about you are making me uncomfortable right now and you need to stop. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I feel like I don't remember ever learning from my family about how to, you know, how to prevent somebody from doing something inappropriate or anything like that. I mean, there was the obvious, like, outsiders of saying, like, well, like, don't go off with strangers mm-hmm. or whatever, but but not of, like, safety within your family. And, um, I mean, I come from a very, like, female-heavy family um, with lots of aunts and sisters and stuff. And so it um, it felt very, like, uh, I guess maybe unnecessary almost probably to a lot of family members. But we did have, like, um, a relative who uh, did – like, who did things that were sexually inappropriate with, like, one of my other relatives. And, like, that uh, happened multiple times before anybody said anything. Like, they mm-hmm. swept it under the rug. And, like, people knew that this, this was happening um, with multiple, like, in multiple instances with different people mm-hmm. and didn't do anything about it until it had happened multiple times. And so I feel like there's this idea if you are in, like, family that like you need to just you know preserve your Mm. family yeah um rather than bring up something that's actually genuinely like harmful Mm -hmm. it's like oh we don't want to we don't want to like break up the family or have some sort of family crisis or things Mm -hmm. like that but that's not helpful like think about the people that were impacted by that Mm -hmm. um and I think that that's a culture that we have around sexual assault and rape in general as a Mm -hmm. society is i'll just like sweep it under the rug yeah we'll just move past like can't we just move on and uh, it's like when when something has happened when an act has been committed you don't just move on Mm -hmm. you don't just get over it like you have to go through that and deal with the consequences on both sides victim and perpetrator Mm -hmm. have to deal with consequences Mm-hmm. And so, and then if the perpetrator doesn't receive any consequences, the victim still has consequences. Mm-hmm. There's still trauma. There is still pain. Um, and the perpetrator gets to just walk around free. Yeah. And that's not healthy. Well, and hearkening back to my story earlier, the the young man who, I, guess, I don't know if you could, who solicited my... Um, Affections. Affections, I guess you could say. Um, He had been harassing the young women in the church for months, if not longer. And um, probably due to his mental disability and developmental delays, um, the church leadership never saw that it was an issue that needed to be addressed. They felt that it was harmless. They felt that um, it didn't need to be addressed. I know my friend, she complained several times, like, mm. hey, he's, like, not making me feel safe. This is not okay. Yeah. And they would just be like, oh, well, he's – everyone's welcome here at church, so he can be here. And it wasn't until that happened to me 
And they realized, oh, this 12-year-old girl (laughs) just got, like, hit on by an 18-year-old in a very inappropriate way. Mm -hmm. Maybe he's not safe to be around young girls anymore. Mm -hmm. And... um, That was never something I was prepared for. Like, I wasn't going to use my karate chop self-defense on this guy, right? Like, it it wasn't like he jumped me out of a bush in the dark of night, you know? Like, he was just in my church, which is supposed to be a safe place. And I even think of um, my brother when I – I mean, he was very angry growing up. And I remember one time, like, he was cutting up some cheese, I think. Like, he was making dinner. And he, like, he loves to cook. And I went and, like, stole a piece of cheese like you do. Like, who doesn't? Mm -hmm. And he, like, turned around and got very angry at me and actually grabbed me Mm -hmm. and, like, pushed me up against a wall and yelled at me and said, never do that again. And so he, like, physically assaulted me. And that was never – I didn't have any tools to, like, report that or call that out or say, like, that's not okay because it was just, like, oh, it's just brotherly, sisterly – abuse or not abuse but like you know disagreements tussles but like we didn't know how to recognize abuse in our own four walls absolutely I mean I had a very similar situation and I haven't talked a lot on the podcast about my relationship with my dad for a lot of reasons but uh we do not have a good relationship and I've had that happen with me from him and you're not taught it's like oh it's disciplinary or you know I'm the parent, so I get to do what I see fit. Um, But it's not okay, and it never should be okay. And for me, like, I became the person that I'm like, I'm okay making a scene right now because you know what? You should be ashamed. Mm -hmm. Like, you cannot Mm -hmm. grab me that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think that that is something that is discouraged for young girls. It's like, oh, don't make a scene. Don't, you know, cause – a disturbance or whatever, but don't be dramatic. Don't be dramatic. Don't take it so seriously. But when something like that is happening, I'm like, absolutely make a scene, girl. You scream at the top of your lungs, don't touch me. And that is perfectly acceptable, especially if someone is, you know, like not listening. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually something in the situation that I did uh talked about earlier. I did. I went to James. I was like, hey, you got to tell this guy to stop following me and taking pictures. Like, I understand, like, that's not fair for me to have to ask of you, but he is not listening to me. Mm -hmm. I then went to the person running the event that we were working, and I was like, hey, I cannot be scheduled with this person. Mm -hmm. Like, and it's it's just when boundaries aren't respected, you've got to take it to the next level. Mm -hmm. And people need to be taught that because Mm -hmm. it is very easy to freeze. I have frozen. Mm -hmm. I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, But if women and young girls are given more tools to handle them, maybe the outcomes will be different. Yeah, like it's almost like we're kind of taught, and I'm not trying to discount any of the things that we've just discussed because they're all very real things, and I think it's amazing that women take practical precautions in Mm -hmm. their life. But it's almost as if we're taught to defend ourselves from this sort of invisible evil enemy that is sort of like on the outskirts. Mm -hmm. We're not prepared for the enemy within, Mm -hmm. and we're instead like given – sort of tropes or like scripts of Mm -hmm. you know 
woman grabbed and kidnapped and dead three days later as opposed to like woman cousin sexual assault happened Mm -hmm. and or or um young boy pastor sexual assault happened or young girl whatever like there's we we don't talk about those things we don't prepare them and i don't know i guess that's my next question is like as we consider the things that we fear Mm -hmm. can you recognize any like outside fears that are potentially a little irrational that have lived that you've lived with um, and maybe inside fears that you haven't been told to be afraid of or learned to be afraid of or have learned the hard way to be afraid of, I guess. So an example being, um, I think this is like stems all the way back to birth of a nation. There has been a trope that I've been taught that of, of white women being raped by black men. Mm-hmm. And so that's sort of up until like adulthood when I started to deconstruct kind of my conservative upbringing I didn't really realize that that was just something I had been told could happen and therefore was something I should be afraid of but didn't actually have any reasoning for that to ever happen to me I didn't have I didn't know any black men really in my life or or if the ones I did I was not very connected with and like interracial rape is very rare like there's all sorts of like statistics around that and why that is not a very common thing to happen. Mm -hmm. And we've actually seen historically, like so many whistles being blown that were actually false accusations that have put black men in jail for their lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Or cost them their lives. Or cost them their lives. And so um, that for is an example of like an ethereal outside threat that I was, that I grew up with, Mm -hmm. but like, isn't actually something I need to perceive as, you know, my most threatening Mm -hmm. threat, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, I think I've definitely heard that trope. I did not experience it necessarily because, again, I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood and it was just like men rape women, the end. Um, But I've I've seen that acted out a lot, especially – in other circles, I kind of ran in growing up. But I think, yeah, one that is not taught is that you need to be aware of all family members, not just. Also, there's the reality that, you know, uh, boys are abused as well. That's not something that I think is talked enough about. Um, as well as uh, abuse can happen from someone of the same gender. Uh, that is something that also needs to be talked about. Mm -hmm. I do think there is a level of, I do think there's, yeah, a level of people taking things to an extreme. I definitely know I am on the more extreme end of the spectrum of the safety woman situation, but I'm also, you know, it's what makes me feel safe, frankly, and comfortable. And, I think if if you need more than you actually need, it's okay to take that. Um, and I think I'm rambling because I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like maybe to rephrase in a, a simpler way is like, what are some of our irrational fears mm. and what are the rational ones? Mm. And how do we even differentiate between what's rational and irrational? Yeah. Like me being raped by a black man is in general a very irrational fear. Mm-hmm. Like... 
I do not have any close relatives who are black. Like, mm-hmm. the odds of me being jumped out of a bush in the darkness by a black man are very low, you yeah. know? And and thankfully, kind of moving into adulthood, that's sort of something I've deconstructed. But in the deconstruction of that, I've been like, mm-hmm. wait, what other things have I just been afraid of? Yeah. And I've just taken people's word for it. But the actual threat yeah. was somewhere else. Yeah, I think, too, another thing that's irrational is the fear of the unhoused. Um, Granted, there is a high uh, rate of mental illness, generally speaking. I know that is not everyone and also of drug abuse, but also, like, there there was definitely – um, a very large fear of that. Like, oh, if, if someone who is homeless approaches me, something terrible is going to happen. Mm. And like, that is not true. Um, and so, I share that. Yeah. yeah, that is, that is something that, um, I think I was taught. I mean, again, come from a very, an area where, uh, there's a lot of people that are unhoused. And so that's something we experience daily. Um, and granted, there are some moments that it's like, oh, this is an inappropriate interaction and you need to know better. Um, like when, you know, my mom is in the church parking lot downtown unloading her four children under the age of 12 out of a car and a homeless man approaches her and and is asking her for help. It's like, I am with my four children. Like, this is very uncomfortable. Like, I will give you a card to the rescue mission. Like, but please leave. Um, you know, moments like that. But I think there was a, there's a deep fear for some reason of the vulnerable, Mm -hmm. um, you know, minority communities. Uh, but really you need to be more aware of those that are, you know, work normal jobs, make good salaries. Um, they're people that appear quote unquote normal that live apparently happy lives from the outside that um, are an equal threat. Yeah, it's very interesting uh, that you brought that up, like the um, the fact that it's people who are actually vulnerable. Like in these situations, like if they happened to us, we would typically actually be the more um, – like societally powerful person Mm -hmm. like as a white person if someone who is a person of color were to come up to you like still typically your word would be believed over theirs Mm -hmm. and you would be in a position of higher power and somebody who is unhoused and who is maybe mentally vulnerable or whatever like you are a person in power because you um have like financial wealth and because you are privileged in that way and um I think that we have so much like fear of other Mm -hmm. that we like start to like fantasize these these scenarios with people that feel scary to us Mm -hmm. because they're other and then they turn into dangerous to us Mm -hmm. um when really like those are probably the people that we should be like reaching out towards the most. Um, And I think that that has a lot to do with just like the way that our Western society has been built in general is to other people and call them dangerous, call them uh, scary, call them unclean, call them uh, 
unpredictable or whatever, and then they're able to be pushed to the margins while we can can succeed, really. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and women receive that as well. Like, so many preachers have said that a woman preaching is dangerous, as if as if the, that is going to be in some way like a a, a risk to your life <laughs> that that a woman would preach, or or that it's going to take away your salvation or something, and um, be sinful somehow. Uh, but also the idea of like the dangerous woman of the night who's going to seduce uh, un like helpless men who who just can't can't resist mm -hmm. her her seductress ways or whatever mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. there's there's that trope that's been put onto us as well but then we also receive that for people who are quote-unquote lower in society than us mm -hmm. and when really the what you see much more often in people who are sexually assaulting people people who are like committing these acts that we're told to be fearful of are the people who are above us in the power structure. So they're mm -hmm. the white men. They're the frat boys at the parties. They're the pastors. Mm -hmm. They're the politicians. Bosses. They're, they're the bosses. It's, it's those people because people generally are not going to commit an act like that to someone who is above them in a power dynamic mm -hmm. because that's then putting them at further risk of mm -hmm. oppression really yeah. whereas someone who is already at an advantage is going to go down the totem pole or whatever you want to call mm -hmm. it down the power structure and take and, advantage and take of advantage of it yeah. well and that's actually very true of rape as a whole is that it's actually not a um, crime that psychologically is based on lust or mm -hmm. like passion or sexual um animalistic uncontrollable behavior it's actually yeah. power dynamics mm -hmm. it's actually always or almost always perpetrated by someone who is in power and takes uses that power to over yep. power somebody else yeah yep. and so um the those people who are on the outskirts of society the unhoused mm -hmm. minorities they are at the greatest risk of um having crimes committed against them. Yeah, mm -hmm. they're not the ones committing the crimes. Or they the are among way. each other, potentially, because yeah. poverty does unfortunately come with a lot of those communities, and in poverty, crime usually is quite high. So, But it's it should be seen more as a correlation and not um, causation. Uh, an official uh, a statement of someone's um, intention. Mm-hmm. I think also something that I think we see a lot in our society is fear of those that are not um, at the same mental functioning capacity as you. So, like, I worked a lot with um, kids and young adults with mental and uh, physical development challenges. Um, and there's one student that I worked with in particular. I forget his name, but he was very big and very tall. Um, I think he had about the mental capacity of about a four-year-old. Um, he was very severely autistic amongst a few other things. And he was a very great student, but I think just understanding how people work, um, within that community, like he was a great student until he got really frustrated. And one time he actually hit me 
um, in the boob, not intentionally. It was just what was by his hand. And um, like, yeah, that's really scary. And I understand that that is, and I was very scared, but also like realizing like, oh, actually I need to interact with you differently so that you don't get frustrated because you process your emotions differently than me. Um, I think there can be a lot more education around that because, you know, things like schizophrenia, that is labeled as a very dangerous uh, mental health issue. But actually the majority of people that suffer from schizophrenia are not physically violent. Um, And I think that is an area that there can be a lot more education around uh, because we've kind of been taught that if you are not quote unquote mentally stable, fully developed, whatever, um, that you're dangerous. And it's simply not true. Um, Mm -hmm. There are a portion of people, yes, that will be dangerous. Like my relative I mentioned earlier, but the majority of people are not. He is the extreme Mm -hmm. and the small in the majority, Mm -hmm. not the majority, sorry, minority (laughs) of that group of people. Mm Yeah, and I think back over my adolescence and even a lot of my young adulthood, even now, and I think, like, so much of my energy was actually put towards um, the fear of wearing the wrong thing and Mm -hmm. causing someone to, like, become aroused. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, honestly. Yeah. That, like, and, and I think on my parents' part, on the part of my church, it was all an effort to keep me safe. Mm -hmm. But I think I look back and I wonder if that was really effective in keeping me safe from anything other than like the most extreme rare cases. Mm -hmm. And it it didn't actually prepare me for the real world. Like, I was afraid of wearing a shirt too low, Mm -hmm. not of like knowing how to handle myself when, you know, someone made sexual advances yeah. toward me that I knew. As if if someone were intending to assault you, having a high neckline would prevent them. Yeah. Like that's Oh wait, I'm wearing a turtleneck. Yeah. No. That's ridiculous <laughs> when when you think about that. Because I mean just like we've already touched on, it's not about lust or whatever like it's about power dynamics and it's about somebody trying to feel powerful. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's when assault happens Mm -hmm. not because a girl is dressed anyway (laughs) yeah Yeah. and so I guess like to wrap this up because this has been a great conversation as women how do we move forward because I think we've talked about two very different extremes on one hand um the very real threat I think Mm -hmm. that there's some like astounding staggering statistics that will tell women that we have very real reasons to be afraid Mm -hmm. on the other hand there are Things that we've been told to be afraid of when in actuality, we don't necessarily, especially as white women, have um, a reason to be the person in a position of fear. Mm -hmm. And so how do we balance those? How do we move forward in in a way that is healthy for our own selves? Because, you know, we have to live our lives and not be anxious, fearful creatures, but Mm -hmm. we also have to be wise and take precaution, but we also have to extend compassion and understanding towards those less privileged than us. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned statistics. I have a few that I prepared Ooh, that I'd up. love to read Fancy out. Fancy lady. Um, I am all about the data, guys. Um, so like you said, so this is um, from the National Sexual Violent Resource Center. Um, there's also another great uh, website called RAIN. Rain.com, um, which stands for a bunch of impressive letters. It's like R A I N N, right? Yeah, it's like I N N. So, 
Real quickly, uh, one in five women in the United States experience completed or attempted rape during their lifetime. Nearly a quarter of the men in the U.S. also experience some kind of um, contact of sexual violence in their lifetime. Nationwide, around 81% of women report experiencing some form of sexual harassment and or assault in their lifetime. Uh, one in three female victims of completed or attempted rape experience it from the f- first time for the first time between the ages of 11 and 17. Mm. So here's the deal, guys. It's education for kids, in my opinion. But um, around half of female victims of rape report being raped by an intimate partner and 40% by an acquaintance. So those are a, a few rough statistics. Um I think I saw that the cost of uh, rape, quote unquote, so like any legal fees, counseling, therapy, um, tests, is maybe. tests also um, is over $100,000 on average. Um, so this is – it's something that it's like, yes, you sh- should be afraid <laughs> at some level. Mm-hmm. But also, like you said, like – you can't actually deal – this is something I've been processing recently. Mm-hmm. You actually can't deal with something until it happens. Mm-hmm. So, yes, be wise, be preventative, take preventative measures, but also, like, you can't walk around like something has happened to you that has not yet happened. Um, and in the situation I talked about earlier with someone very close to me whom I love dearly, that is the question. It is, okay, now what? Now what do we do? How do we move forward? And I think our society needs to address this problem. There is a problem that if you, even if you say no, I can take what I want. And that is completely unacceptable. There's a lack of education and it's still very stigmatized. And I think this is fueled by the church a lot of ways. It is this idea of idealizing virginity to the point that if something were to happen to you, you now um, are so deeply affected by that that your life course is altered. And that mm. is simply not true as well. You are strong. You are capable. You can. You are a self-healing machine. And yes, you will have to do so much work because of that. And like for that, I am like sorry for any victim or sorry, survivor, not a victim. You are a survivor. Um but we need to also be educating men. That's yeah. the reality. Yeah. I love that you you brought up education. I think that's really, really important um, because the thing is, is at the end of the day, like moving forward, unfortunately, this is not something that you can just change overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think that um, we need to like educate ourselves around like harmful tropes that we have mm-hmm. been taught, like we already talked about, um, things that just simply aren't true and that are rooted in racism or classism or whatever, uh, sexism, <laughs> to add another ism in there for you. But uh, we need to be conscious of those things and deconstruct those things and also be conscious of not passing those things along to the next generations Mm -hmm. because this is something that's grown over generations and it's going to have to be broken down over generations Mm -hmm. as well. And I think that, like, the issue, the biggest issue is that, like, our Western society sees women as second-class citizens still. 
there's still so much where women are not treated with equality (laughs) and women are not seen as worth equality. And so because of that, it's not just that like we need to like take preventative measures and like try to be safer and just sort of suck it up. This is the way that life is for a woman. Like, yeah, in some ways we do need to do that. And we're like, this is the way it is. Mm -hmm. Um, But like the fact that it's normal, like to rape someone, to sexually assault someone, to devalue women, like that's why women have to take precautions. It's not because we're like making up a ton of crazy fantasies like Mm -hmm. I feel like most women either know somebody or know somebody who knows somebody who's been raped or sexually assaulted or they themselves have experienced it yes like you there is there are very few degrees of separation in that um ever (laughs) and uh men have the same thing but they don't hear about it Mm -hmm. from women and um really to me the only way to to move forward is to educate people, to advocate for women, um, to like shift old archaic patriarchal viewpoints that have said that women are X, Y, Z, um, and instead viewing us as, as people, because Mm -hmm. it, it is about power. It is about, um, systems that have been in place for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, like to me, moving forward is, is taking another inch of a step towards Mm -hmm. progress. And that's, like, why things like feminism are so important. Like, Mm -hmm. that's why um, it's important to be educating children about Mm -hmm. sex and about how to Mm -hmm. uh, give consent. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's not going to over-sexualize children. It's going to prepare children and it's going to educate them and equip them. Um, And unfortunately, we have to be equipped. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I wish we lived in a world where we didn't have to be equipped for Mm -hmm. to prevent people from hurting us. But but we do. And we can work towards a more perfect society. But it it, that's not something that I could see us achieving in the near future. So we just have to look out for each other. We do. And I think the realization, even though it's not fair, it's going to take time. Just like gay marriage takes time, took time. Yeah. Just like um, people, you know, addressing the deep-rooted issues of racism in our country. Just like the pay gap. Just like the f- first wave f- uh, feminist movement. Unfortunately, this is the way society works. You have to work from the ground up and the top down, and you have to have patience and persistence. Yeah. It will take time, but in our daughter's lives or our daughter's times or our granddaughters or our great-granddaughters, change will happen and it can be possible. It just takes yeah. and it has pushing happened. for that. We've seen progress. Like, We've seen progress tons has of happened, progress. But it's, yeah, there's, there's still more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all good thoughts. I think the only thing I would add on to that is for anyone who's tempted to um, make fun of the angry feminist trope. Mm. There's a reason she's angry. <laughs> you know, I think all the things we just discussed, like, um, there's a lot of reasons to be angry. And I think yeah. um, for me, it is um, learning to recognize the things that make me angry for valid reasons yeah. and, and kind of get rid of the things that I've just been told to be afraid of. Yeah. Um, 
And in a sense, the things I've been told to be afraid of that have sort of been put in place to keep me in my place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think I hope for a future where I can teach my daughters <clears throat> to protect themselves in real practical ways, but also um, not burden them with um, mm-hmm. with my own fears or with yeah. church traditional roles or things like that. Um, so, yeah, it is. It'll take some time. But for anyone who's asking the question, why are women afraid or why are feminists so angry or <laughs> what what are these women complaining about anyways? This is what we're complaining about. And yeah. it's, it's super legitimate. And um, oftentimes the solutions that we've been given have actually not been tools to deal with the actual threats that we face every day. So, no, um, no. and I mean, the <laughs> like, on the one hand, I think about like solutions with that, like the solution being like, oh, we'll just go out with a man instead or just go uh, with a group of women instead because going alone is not safe, but a man could go somewhere alone safely. Mm-hmm. Like that is like visual, like, evidence of a lack of equality Mm -hmm. that a man could feel confident going out somewhere alone at night and a woman cannot like that that is not um like we have those precautions in place for a reason but at the same time they're evidence of a of a a power differential Mm -hmm. and like that's how you see it yeah (laughs) like i feel like people ask like why do you still why are you still upset about like, you have so many things that women have, have gained. Women have, mm. have made leaps and bounds mm. in, in progress and in equality, but it's like there's still this. Yeah. still very serious vulnerabilities. Yeah, that mm. even women, like, if you think about the Me Too movement, like, women who are seen as successful and powerful and who are models for um, other women across, like, the world – Women who have tons of power, wealth, and success still are being subjected to this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. that to me, that shows that this is an issue that is, like, sex-based specifically. Like, mm-hmm. this is about women and men. Um, and not it, – it, it doesn't it, – it goes across, like, class and, and race and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, – Woman beings, uh, we send you off with all of the love. Stay safe. Please continue to travel in groups and, you know, hold keys between your fingers and all those things. Um, We can still hope and work towards a safer world. Um, But for now, safety first, progress second. (laughs) And um, yeah, I mean, don't be naive for the sake of being a feminist you right. know like I, I feel like I might have the tendency towards that of being like well I'm just gonna go do this because I should be able to and yeah. and uh <laughs> that's not necessarily like the safest thing to do in every situation like I'm still like I mean maybe if I was like a professional kickboxer or something <laughs> I'd feel okay doing that and say well screw this I'm just gonna do it but mm-hmm. I'm not I'm very weak <laughs> and, uh, but like that I think there's a balance in that of mm-hmm. like I don't want to seem like crazy or like I'm over cautious, but also like we do need to be cautious. There is validity to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, thank you both for sharing today. This has yeah. been a great conversation and I appreciate um, you guys sharing your experiences and also your 
thoughts about this issue because it's very um, layered and it has lots of nuance and so much. I'm mm-hmm. sure. It, I mean, people who aren't women, people the non-binary, the the trans community, the LGBTQ community in general, they experience this on a whole different level yeah. um, than we do. But yeah, for anyone that um, is listening, this is just a taste of what um, uh, women, at least the cisgender, <laughs> cisgender straight white women, women yeah. that are white, um, experience and mm-hmm. feel and have grown up with. So um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on Instagram at Woman Being Podcast or check out our website at Woman Being Community. Our podcast is on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere you can find a podcast that there is. We're also now, Emma, you could say it. I was just to say we're now on Amazon Music as well, Woo-woo. which is very exciting. So you, I believe with that, you can listen to us on Amazon Music or on Audible. So. so there you go. Yeah. You just expanded. Give us a little review on there if you want. <laughs> yeah. Give us a review anywhere. Yeah. We really appreciate <laughs> your interaction. Um, like our post comment. Um, DM us. We just love to hear what you're yeah. thinking and feeling and experiencing and um, want to keep the conversation going. So all that being said, we'll see you next time. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>